What's up, everybody? JT Sports here, back at you guys with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast. And I hope you guys are having a good day, or at least a better day than what I'm having, because this is my 11th time trying to record this episode. I had to start over my past nine tries because I kept messing up. Then when I finally was able to get this episode done recorded, my dumb behind laptop ended up corrupting the file. And here I am right now, again, recording this for the 11th freaking time. But on this episode, we're going to be discussing why Clemson football will bounce back this upcoming college football season, why Trey Lance will break out for the San Francisco 49ers, Buffalo Bills fans should be really excited about rookie running back James Cook. I'm going to explain why and how good will the Pittsburgh Steelers defense be this upcoming NFL season. If this is your first time listening to the JT Sports Podcast, welcome. I appreciate you for tuning in. Make sure that you follow me on all of my social media platforms. You can follow me on Twitter at JT Sports underscore underscore and on Instagram at JT Sports underscore. And lastly, if you haven't already, Make sure that you are subscribed to my YouTube channel, which is JT Sports. The Clemson football program last season missed the college football playoffs for the first time in seven years. And all of a sudden, people are starting to say that they feel 2021 was the start of the fall of the Clemson Tigers football program. And it's really odd to me because even though Clemson had a down season, what college football program doesn't have a down year? I mean, they went 10-3. and three. If 10-3 and three is considered your version of a down season, that's pretty good in my opinion. And not only did they manage to win 10 games last year, but Dabo Sweeney did it for the 11th consecutive year. He deserves a lot of applause for that because it is incredibly hard in this day and age of college football to maintain success when it comes to recruiting, being able to deliver on high expectations year in and year out. Every program is prone to some down years. Alabama had a season not too long ago where they weren't in the college football playoffs. So every program is prone to having some years where they're not in a championship picture. That doesn't mean they're about to decline. You see, so many people are quick to hop on the bandwagon when it comes to somebody who's been extremely successful and they start just to have a little slip up and all of a sudden, oh, they're falling off. You guys don't know how many times in the last couple of years I've heard this is the end of the Alabama dynasty just for them to turn around and win another national championship. You want another recent example? The Golden State Warriors. Many people thought that the Golden State Warriors were done. And look at them. In the year 2022, they are heading to another NBA Finals. They weren't there for a couple of seasons, but they're back. So... When I look at Clemson, I have a lot of faith in Dabo Sweeney. Dabo Sweeney is the best players coach in college football, in my opinion. If there was a head coach that I could pick to play for, it would be Dabo. Dabo is extremely good at getting the most out of his players. He knows how to elevate his players by motivating them. And I like the way that he goes about uplifting his players. And if you're a Clemson fan, 
you know Dabble Sweeney really loves being the underdog. He excels when he's able to preach that underdog mentality. And he hasn't been able to use that over the last couple of years because Clemson hasn't been the underdog. They've been the favorite, time in and time out. But going into the 2022 college football season, a lot of people are doubting this program. A lot of people are doubting Dabo Sweeney. He lost two of his coordinators. Officer coordinator Tony Elliott is now the head coach of Virginia. And longtime defensive coordinator Britt Venables is now the head coach of Oklahoma. However, he replaced those two guys with in-house hires. He kept it in the family. Wes Goodwin was promoted to defensive coordinator. Goodwin has been with the program for 10 years. He previously served as a defensive assistant, helping with defensive breakdowns and scouting the opponents. Brandon Streeter has been elevated to offensive coordinator. He previously served as Clemson's quarterback coach and passing game coordinator. He's been with the program for a very long time, and this isn't his first time calling plays. He was the officer coordinator for Liberty from 2009 to 2011. During those years, from 2009 to 2010, Liberty was one of the best offenses in the FCS. They were averaging over 30 points per game. He also was the OC for Richmond, 2012 to 2014, and 2012 Richmond ranked 20th in passing yards per game, 21st in points per game. They were 7th in passing yards per game in 2013 in his final year with the Richmond Spiders. They were 19th in yards per game, and they had the 8th best passing attack that year. So for Streeter, this is somebody who is really good when it comes to developing quarterbacks. He helped develop Deshaun Watson, Kelly Bryant, and recently Trevor Lawrence. And Dabo Sweeney's hoping that he can rekindle that same magic with DJ Uyangale. DJ Uyangale is coming off a really disappointing 2021 campaign. I was really shocked at how he performed last season because you go back to his freshman season when he had to come in for a couple of games and replace the Trevor Lawrence, and the dude balled out. Last season, he only completed 55.6% of his passes through the ball for 2,246 passing yards, had nine touchdowns and 10 interceptions. So you ask yourself, what happened to DJ Uyangale? Well, he wasn't healthy last season. He was playing through a sprained PCL. He had torn tendons in his index finger on his throwing hand, by the way. I don't know why he was still out there starting. The fact, despite the fact that he wasn't fully 100%, but maybe Clemson didn't have any better options behind him. So for this season, he, in a recent interview or discussion, he said that he's nearing 100%. He feels really good, really healthy. He also has lost some weight. He came into the 2021 season at 260 pounds. This offseason, he's lost 20 to 25 pounds. He now weighs 240. So he's going to be lighter. It's going to help him maneuver inside the pocket better. And he's also going to be a little bit more dynamic when it comes to running the football. Now, if DJ Uyangale struggles again, you have true freshman quarterback, K. Kupnik, who was highly touted, and he also had a really good spring game. As a matter of fact, he outperformed DJ in this past year's spring game. 
we potentially could see a similar situation. Remember when Kelly Bryant wasn't playing all that great? And then Trevor Lawrence, one of the best, if not the best, high school quarterback recruit ever, he was behind him. And eventually, Dabo Sweeney made the change, and then the rest was history. We know what happened after that. So if Kay Kupnick ends up pushing DJ Uyongle in fall camp, and he continues to struggle, we could see him take over. At running back, Will Shipley and Kobe Pace return. They pretty much carry this offense. They, in some cases, were the offense in certain games. Will Shipley, as a freshman last season, had 149 carries, ran the ball for 739 rushing yards, averaged 5 yards per attempt, and had 11 touchdowns. Kobe Pace, right behind him, had 641 rushing yards, averaged 6.2 yards per attempt, and had 6 touchdowns. So we know that the running back position isn't an area that Clemson fans should be concerned about. The biggest concern is going to be Is the offensive line going to improve? And will the wide receivers step up this year? When you look at wide receiver, leading wide receiver from last year, Justin Ross has gone on to the NFL. He's currently with the Kansas City Chiefs at the moment. You have Joseph Nogada, who was the team's second leading receiver. He caught caught 23 receptions for a touchdown and had 438 receiving yards. He also averaged 19 yards per reception, and he's really solid when he's able to stay on the field, key word, when he's able to stay on the field, ever since his freshman year, he struggled to stay healthy. If he can stay healthy this year, it definitely will provide a big boost. This is a wide receiver room that has a lot of young and up-and-coming talent. There were a good amount of true freshmen last year who got significant playing time, such as Bo Collins. He's 6'3", 205 pounds. He caught 31 receptions for 407 receiving yards and had three touchdowns. I'm really high on him. He was pretty highly touted coming out of high school as well. And with him having a pretty good freshman campaign, imagine what he can do with an added offseason of development. He had a pretty good spring. I'm looking for him to continue that momentum going into fall camp. And he potentially could end up having a breakout season for Clemson. You also have Dikari Collins, who also got some playing time as a freshman last season. He's 6'4", 215 pounds. EJ Williams is a junior. He's going to be in the mix. You have tight end Dennis Allen, who Davis Allen, excuse me, who is a senior He had 28 receptions, 208 receiving yards, and three touchdowns. And I'm hoping that he can be a little bit of a factor in the passing game this year compared to what his role was last season because he probably is one of the better options that they have in this passing attack going into this season. So if you can give him around 60 targets maybe, he could end up being one of the better tight ends in this conference. I don't know about the offensive line play. To be honest with you, I don't know who's going to be starting. I was trying to research and dig into it, but wasn't really getting the answers that I wanted to. So the offensive line wasn't bad when it came to run blocking, but pass protection, it wasn't all that great. And if DJ Uyongale is going to end up having a bounce back year or Kay Kupnick is going to end up coming in and having a solid first year as a starter, this offensive line is going to have to perform a lot better in pass protection than what they did last season. This is an offensive line that does have talent. It's not 
as if they have under-recruited at the position. There is a lot of talent on this team. A lot of four, five-star talent. Clemson always recruits at a very high level. So it's really on the coaching staff if this offensive line continues to struggle this year. Clemson does put a lot of emphasis on versatility. So normally you see their offensive linemen practice at a good amount of positions you could have an offensive guard getting significant snaps at offensive tackle offensive tackles also taking reps at offensive guard they just love having that versatility in case injuries occur which injuries are part of the game the defense nobody should be too worried about even though Brent Venables did leave and this this defense will suffer a little bit of a drop off They still should be no worse than top 20 in America because this is still a extremely talented defense. Their biggest loss is probably cornerback Andrew Booth. Fred Davis II is most likely going to be in line to replace him. He was a four-star recruit coming out of the 2020 recruiting cycle. He was the 53rd ranked player, the seventh best cornerback in that recruiting class. Also hailing out of Trinity Christian Academy from Jacksonville, which is a city that I have grew up in my whole entire life. So I spent a lot of time watching Fred Davis play, and he is a pretty talented cornerback. He may be one of the better cornerbacks that Clemson has had in recent memory. I'm really excited to see what he's going to do this year if he gets the opportunity to start. And Clemson overall, I mean, this is still the most talented team in the ACC from a talent standpoint. Of course, you're going to have NC State, who also is going to be vying for that spot. You're going to have Wake Forest. You also can't forget about Miami and the Coastal with Mario Cristobal. I think that they're definitely going to be a big factor in the ACC championship picture this season. However, if you were probably a betting man and somebody was to come up to you right now and ask you, hey, you got $1,000, you got to put it on who you think is going to win the ACC, you most likely would be putting it down on Clemson. And I wouldn't disagree with you. I wouldn't get mad at that because this is a team that underperformed last year. And even though they underperformed, they still were able to win 10 games. As a matter of fact, they started the season out 2-2. Two and two, And after that start, they went 8-1 and one to close out the year. So for Dabo Sweeney, he's going to have his guys ready to play they're going to be motivated he's going to preach that underdog mentality how everybody's counting them out nobody's giving them a chance it doesn't matter how highly ranked they're going to be when the ap top 25 comes out because the fan perception about clemson right now is that they're about to fall off devil sweeney hears all of the talking heads in the national media. And I'm pretty sure he hears a good amount of what fans are saying who are non-Clemson fans. And he definitely understands that Clemson probably has a lot to prove this year. So he's going to have this team ready to play. And they're going to be viewed as underdogs by many people. And he thrives when it seems like his back is against the wall. And I think that this is going to be another season that we end up seeing Clemson reemerge back into that college football playoff conversation. And I think that Clemson most likely could end up making it back into the playoffs this season. I think they're going to bounce back. Hopefully I'm right because the last time I said the team was going to bounce back, it was LSU last season. And 
yeah, we saw how last season went for LSU. So hopefully Clemson proves me right. But you guys let me know how you guys are feeling about Clemson going into the upcoming college football season. Do you guys feel that this program will bounce back? Or do you guys think that this is the start of the decline of the Clemson football program? Let me know down in the comment section down below. Trey Lance, I feel, is in for a breakout season with the San Francisco 49ers in 2022. There are a good amount of people in the national media who are saying that Trey Lance is going to be a buzz. He's not going to work out. He's going to cost Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch their jobs. I just don't see it. I'm really going to have a hard time of people trying to sell me the idea that Kyle Shanahan, who we perceive to be one of the best offensive minds in the game right now, is going to have Trey Lance crash and burn this season. This is the same Kyle Shanahan that went to two NFC Conference Championship games with Jimmy Garoppolo and a Super Bowl. This is the same Kyle Shanahan who was still having success on offense with quarterbacks such as Nick Mullins and C.J. Beathard at the helm. So if he's able to have success with Jimmy G, C.J. Beathard, and Nick Mullins, I'm pretty sure he's going to be able to have success with Trey Lance. Not to mention, remember when he was the offensive coordinator for Washington back in RG3's rookie season? He designed an offense tailored around RG3 before he got injured. Then once RG3 went down, he ended up wanting to be a pocket passer, and that's kind of when things started to go downhill. But Kyle Shanahan is really good at adapting his offense to whoever's the quarterback and whatever kind of personnel he has to work with. So for Kyle Shanahan, with him finally having the opportunity to choose the quarterback that he wants, I'm going to have difficulty finding reasons for why Trey Lance isn't going to work out. And the reasons that people have been giving me in the national media haven't really been good you know one person said that Trey Lance is going to be a bust because he doesn't have that it factor bro what the heck is a it factor the dude got taken in the top five San Francisco traded up the farm to get Trey Lance obviously he has some kind of it factor if they traded up so much to get him that doesn't make no sense to me people are just making up nonsense about Trey Lance that makes no sense at all I can understand if you tell me okay JT last year and Trey Lance few couple of games that he appeared in he struggled against pressure when he was throwing from a clean pocket he was really effective when he had pressure in his face his mechanics his accuracy everything went down I can understand that you feel me but don't give me no nonsense take about him not having the it factor because that's not good enough what is the it factor huh come on man and George Kittle has defended Trey Lance several times from the national media's criticism. I'm going to take George Kittle's word. I think that Trey Lance is going to ball out. George Kittle has spent more time around Trey Lance than me, you, and whoever's covering the San Francisco 49ers. And he has seen Trey Lance do a lot of fantastic things in practice. As a matter of fact, there was a practice clip that went viral they're in the middle of the season. It was Trey Lance rolling out to the right. And he threw this ball with a defender in his face. And he 
it, it was kind of weird. I'm trying to show you guys how he threw it because I don't really know how to describe how he threw it, but he, he threw it underhanded or something like that, and it went 40 yards downfield. It was completion of George Kittle, I believe. So the dude is ridiculous. Not only does he have an incredibly strong arm, but he has a credible arm talent. And there is a huge difference between arm strength and arm talent. I don't know how many times I have to break it down to people, but I'm breaking it down once again. Arm strength means that you have a very good arm. You can throw the football 60, 70, 80 plus yards down the field. Plus, you can put a lot of velocity and torque on the football when you throw it. Arm talent, however, is your ability to throw the ball from different angles from different platforms. You know, being able to roll out to the right, throwing the ball all the way across your body, 40 yards downfield, that's arm talent. Not too many quarterbacks in the league right now have the kind of arm talent that Trey Lance has. In the two games that he started in last year, the Arizona Cardinals and the Houston Texans, he didn't look all that bad. He had some highs and he had some lows, but that's what you expect from a rookie quarterback. He also appeared against the Seattle Seahawks. And in those games, he threw for 603 passing yards, five touchdowns, two interceptions, and completed 57.7% of his passes. He also accounted for 168 rushing yards on the ground and averaged 4.4 yards per attempt and had a rushing touchdown. So for Trey Lance, I'm looking for him to take the next big leap. And out of all of the year two quarterbacks, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones, Davis Mills, whoever, I think Trey Lance is going to take the biggest leap in development because he's in the best situation out of all those quarterbacks I just named from his draft class. You have a really great play caller in Kyle Shanahan. You have a team that has a Super Bowl caliber roster, George Kittle, arguably the best or second best tight end in the NFL. You have a pretty solid offensive line. You got Brandon Ayuk and hopefully Debo Samuel at wide receiver this year. If Debo Samuel ends up getting traded, then I don't know what's going to happen. I would love to see the San Francisco 49ers sign Julio Jones. I think Julio Jones would be a fantastic fit with the 49ers this season. He also would give Trey Lance, another weapon to throw the football to. And plus, you could probably sign Julio Jones to a pretty cap-friendly deal, maybe one or two years. I also look at the fact that the run game still is going to be there. You have Elijah Mitchell, who was the second-best rookie running back in the league last season behind Najee Harris. And you have a really good defense that's going to be able to bail Trey Lance out if he does have in some games where he kind of struggles. I don't remember per se, what the exact criticism was when the Chiefs traded up for Patrick Mahomes. But I do remember that many people had similar takes on Patrick Mahomes as they did right now with Trey Lance because not too many people were on board of Kansas City's decision to trade up for Patrick Mahomes, even though they already had Alex Smith. But after Alex Smith got traded, and it was Patrick Mahomes' job for sure. He balled out. He won the MVP in his second season. He's been to the AFC Conference Championship game pretty much every single year since he's been the starter. So for Trey Lance, you're going to a team that has the talent. You're just that missing piece. And I think for Trey Lance, with him going into year two of Kyle Shanahan's offense, he's going to have a better understanding of the playbook. 
he's going to be more comfortable inside the pocket because the game hopefully slows down for him. Because when you're a rookie and you first get thrown into the fire, everything is coming at you full speed. And remember, this is somebody who played at North Dakota State. Not trying to say that's the reason why he's going to be bad, but there is a huge gap in speed when it comes from playing at North Dakota State going to the NFL because the game is way, way faster compared to Trey Lance played for SEC school. The game, the, the speed of the game probably wouldn't be as fast as what it was last season for him. And last season, honestly, even when he was under pressure, it wasn't that he wasn't bad under pressure. It's just the fact that he tried to do too much. He had guys who were open for simple checkdowns. He would try to get the big play just playing as a rookie would. And for Trey Lance, I think one of the biggest things that he needs to work on going into the season is being able to play in structure. Because in the NFL, it's all about timing. It's all about rhythm. Because when you play out of structure, you ruin the timing and the chemistry with your wide receivers. So for Lance, if he's able to get better under pressure and he's able to get better playing within structure, I don't see no reason why... He shouldn't be able to take the San Francisco 49ers back to the NFC Conference Championship game because this is a team that has already proven that they have a Super Bowl caliber roster. They're just hoping that he's that missing piece. And I think he's going to end up breaking out this year. And I think he potentially could be a dark horse to win NFL MVP this year. I've seen too many people just having so much negativity around Trey Lance for somebody who barely even played. We have a small sample size. And I guess that's probably why some people are skeptical about Trey Lance because we haven't really seen him all that much. But at the same time, we didn't see Patrick Mahomes all that much neither. You have to trust the coaching staff. If you have a good coach, he's going to be able to put your players in the best place or the best spots to succeed. And there's no reason why Trey Lance should just crash and burn with the 49ers if Kyle Shanahan is as good as a head coach that we think he is. So let me know how you guys are feeling about Trey Lance down in the comment section down below. Do you guys feel that Trey Lance is in for a breakout season in 2022? If you are a Buffalo Bills fan, you should be extremely excited about rookie running back James Cook. James Cook is the younger brother of Vikings star running back Dalvin Cook. He was drafted in the second round of this past year's NFL draft out of the University of Georgia. Last season for the Bulldogs, he helped lead them to the national championship game. He had 113 carries for 728 rushing yards, averaged 6.4 yards per attempt, and had seven touchdowns. He also was a force in the pass game, caught 27 passes for 284 receiving yards, and had four receiving touchdowns. The Buffalo Bills didn't get a running back. They got a weapon. James Cook is completely different from his older brother, Dalvin Cook way different and I think he has potential to be even better than Dalvin Cook because he can do way more he's really good in the passing game you can line him up in the slot you can even line him up as an outside receiver he has really good hands he's a natural catcher of the football he isn't normally a running back who catches the ball with his body he catches the ball really clean he's also really good when it comes to making plays happen after the catch 
And you don't really see a lot of running backs nowadays entering the league with his kind of route running. His route running is incredibly rare for a running back. Normally, running backs would be okay route runners, and maybe they, they develop to be decent or above average route runners but James Cook is really special when it comes to how he runs routes from the running back position and for Buffalo whoever the offensive coordinator is going to be this year they're going to have a lot of fun with him because if you line him out wide against a safety or a linebacker that's a mismatch because there's not too many linebackers in this league that can play pure man-to-man coverage on any running back probably only maybe one or two then You also look at the fact that safeties, I don't know if there's going to be too many safeties who are going to match up well with James Cook on the outside because there's not too many good safeties who are all that great in coverage in pure man-to-man situations against running backs. So if you're the Buffalo Bills and you have man coverage looks and you spread James Cook out wide in the slide or the outside and you're able to get one of those favorable mismatches, That's going to cause a lot of problems for opposing defensive coordinators. He also has very good speed. He ran a 4-4-2 at the NFL Combine. He's really good at being able to change directions without sacrificing speed, similar to Alvin Kamara. And Alvin Kamara, what what makes him so good is how when he can change the corner, he can still keep his top-end speed. James Cook has that similar trait. It's really rare. On top of that, he has really good acceleration. The downfall with James Cook is going to be he's only 5'11", 199 pounds. So he's going to be limited in terms of what he can do when it comes to purely just running the football. He's not somebody who you're going to run power and dive up the middle with because with his size, he's probably not going to be able to hold up all that well. So he'll probably be used more on stretch plays, zone running plays, tosses, just trying to get him out to the edge, trying to allow him to use his speed to turn the field. Then, on top of that, he's not really that great as a pass blocker. That is definitely something that he has to improve in that area of his game. But when you look at his potential, he can end up being one of the best scat backs in the league. You look at guys such as Austin Eckler, who are having a lot of success in this league at the moment. So for James Cook, he's kind of the new running back that NFL teams are now starting to gravitate towards. Because nowadays, if you're a running back coming into the league, you have to be more than just being able to run the football 20 25 times a game you have to be able to catch the ball after the backfield you have to be able to be versatile and James Cook isn't going to be a running back that's going to consistently get 15 20 carries a game as a matter of fact he'll probably at most get 12 carries a game he'll probably be around 8 9 normally and then you'll end up lining him out wide and giving him a couple passes in the passing game so he is somebody who you just need to get touches to he's somebody who you just need to get the ball out to rather that be in space on screens flats or lining him out wide and allowing him to run routes against safeties and fellow linebackers so for buffalo you're gonna have a lot of fun with james cook on top of that he is extremely wiggly He's not a powerful runner. He's not going to run through you. He isn't as physical as his older brother, Dalvin Cook, is. However, he's really shifty, really elusive. He has a lot of wiggle. So if you don't wrap him up, he's going to take it to the house. He's also really explosive. If you go back and watch his film at Georgia, he was able to break off a lot of big plays from anywhere on the field. So I'm really excited 
to see what James Cook does with the Buffalo Bills this season. Hopefully, he can end up getting the bulk load of touches and beats out Devin Singletary because Devin Singletary is a solid running back. He's just not as good as gifted as James Cook is when it comes to being able to catch the ball out of the backfield. So if you're somebody who's in the fantasy football and you're trying to find a late round player to take late in your draft that has a little bit of upside that you can put on your bench for a couple of weeks and then they potentially start going off. I will look at Damian Pierce already did a segment on him. Make sure that you guys go ahead and check that out. And James Cook, I think they potentially could be the two best rookie running backs in the league along with Brees Hall this upcoming NFL season. So for Bills fans, you guys are getting an absolute stud at running back. And James Cook wasn't somebody who had a high draft stock going into the 2021 college football season. He was pretty much expected to go in the sixth round or either be an undrafted rookie free agent. But he definitely improved his stock over the course of last year's college football season with Georgia. And if you can add a little bit of weight on him, maybe get him to 205, 206. He doesn't need to be 210 because then you might end up losing some of that speed and explosiveness that he possesses but if you can just get a little bit of muscle on him I think that he can end up improving as a pass protector and I also think he can end up becoming a full three down back but going into this season his role with the Bills offense is primarily most most likely going to be in passing situations, bringing a different element to the passing game. However, he also can improve as a runner over time. And I don't think that James Cook is ever going to be a consistent 1,000-yard rusher. You look at Austin Eckler with the Chargers and Alvin Kamara. Those are both two running backs that have a similar skill set of James Cook. And none of those guys have eclipsed 1,000 yards rushing yet in a season. So for James Cook, I'm really excited to see what he does with the Buffalo Bills in 2022. You Bills fans, let me know how you guys are feeling about James Cook going into this upcoming season and what you guys think he'll do in the Bills offense. How good will the Pittsburgh Steelers defense be in 2022? We already covered how good this offense will be. In the previous segment, make sure that you guys go ahead and check that out. I'll have a card popping up so you guys can see my thoughts on the Steelers offense going into this year. But the defense last year definitely took a step back. Injuries plus not having talent at certain positions hurt Pittsburgh. And on top of that, the offense didn't do this defense any favors because there were a lot of games where the Steelers' offense was stalling out. They couldn't sustain drives. They've gone three and out. And it's really disheartening as a defense. Think about it. If I'm Cam Hayward and I just got to stop, just, just, just help the opposing offense go three and out, help my offense get the ball back, all of a sudden they go three and out, and here I am, back on the field, putting my helmet on, chin strap on. I didn't even get a chance to get a sip of Gatorade, and here I am, back on the field. I didn't even get a chance to catch my wind or catch my breath. So for the defense, with the offense being slightly improved this year, that's going to help the defense out because they're going to be on the field for way less plays. And the more plays that a defense is on, the more tired they get, which is another reason why this run defense wasn't that great. 
And the run defense was the worst in the NFL. They were allowing 143.8 rushing yards per game. This is the worst run defense that the Steelers have had in a very long time because normally the Steelers are pretty good against the run. So you're probably asking, JT, how do the Steelers plan to fix the run defense? Well, it's simple. Tyson Alualu is coming back. He only played in two games before his season got cut short. And Cam Hayward and Alualu are expecting for star defensive lineman Stephon Tuitt to return this year. Stephon Tuitt missed all of 2021 with injuries. He also was dealing with some personal issues off the field. Um, he lost one of his family members, thoughts and prayers with him. And I guess he just wasn't in the mindset to play football. And even if he doesn't come back, we may not see Stephon Tuitt return again. But according to Cam Hayward, they expect him to come back this year. I trust their word. I'm pretty sure they may have already talked to him. Cam Hayward said he hasn't been at OTAs, but he's in Indy working out. So I expect him to be able to suit up. And if he does play this year, this defense is definitely going to be way better than what it was last year. And another thing is that the linebacker position wasn't great. Devin Bush looked like a shell of himself last year. He couldn't cover. He wasn't good against the run. But you know what's going to help Devin Bush bounce back? Pittsburgh hired Brian Flores as their senior defensive assistant and linebackers coach. And Brian Flores spent a lot of time in New England working with the linebackers, such as Dante Hightower. And one thing about Brian Flores is that he has a super aggressive defensive approach to the game. You go back and you watch all of the blitzes that Miami was doing last season, zero blitzes. They were super aggressive. He teaches linebackers how to see it and go. And that's something that when you look at Devin Bush last season, he was kind of hesitant at times. It seemed as if he didn't trust his body, seemed as if he didn't know if he had the speed to make certain plays. And his confidence was kind of shocked. So for Brian Flores, he's going to help Devin Bush play more faster. He's going to help him get better at diagnosing plays and being able to break on them. Then you also brought in linebacker Miles Jack, who formerly was with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And he's also, just like Devin Bush, looking to bounce back from a pretty poor 2021 campaign. And it's really weird what happened to Miles Jack because prior to the 2021 season, he was pretty much a top five linebacker in the NFL. And then the Urban Meyer and his coaching staff just come and just mess up everybody like they did with Trevor Lawrence. So with Miles Jack and Devin Bush having the assistance of Brian Flores as their linebackers coach, that is going to be huge. And Miles Jack even said that Flores was a big reason why he decided to sign with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, we don't know how long both Flores and Miles Jack are going to remain with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Jack only signed a two-year deal, and Brian Flores is most likely going to be in the line for another head coaching job next season, depending on what happens with his lawsuit and whatnot, because if he never decided to pursue legal actions against the NFL, he probably will be the head coach of the Houston Texans or somebody else at the moment. So Brian Flores being on the staff, on defense is really big. It's going to help this defense out a lot. 
You're also going to be having a new defensive coordinator in Terrell Austin. He's going to be replacing Keith Butler, who has been the D.C. in Pittsburgh for the previous seven years. I don't expect him to have a major difference on this defense when it comes to the play calling because Mike Tomlin is still going to call the plays on defense and Mike Tomlin has been calling the plays for a very long time as a matter of fact I didn't even know that Mike Tomlin has been calling the plays for as long as he has and Keith Butler has been doing a little bit of a press run after his retirement interviewing on different radio shows and whatnot and he said that Mike Tomlin has been calling the plays back to the tail end of Dick LeBeau's run as DC for the Pittsburgh Steelers and I don't think that Mike Tomlin needs to change his defensive scheme I know many people get tired of seeing great quarterbacks such as Patrick Mahomes and Brady rip through Mike Tomlin's zone coverage. But I mean, they're Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady for a reason. And on top of that, Mike Tomlin was able to go out and improve certain positions that needed to be addressed. You go ahead, you get the linebacker position improved. Miles Jack is going to be replacing Joe Schobert. Was Joe Schobert wasn't great in coverage. He was a liability in coverage. Miles Jack can do it all. And hopefully Devin Bush can bounce back to his former self pre-ACL injury. So that's going to help out the defense. On top of that, you were able to bring in cornerback Levi Wallace, which Levi Wallace is coming off the best season of his career with the Buffalo Bills. He stepped up in a major way when Trey Davis White went down with his season-ending injury. So with him being in the room at cornerback, you're going to pair him up with Aquilo Weatherspoon, who had three interceptions last season, led the team, also had nine pass reflections. And Aquilo Weatherspoon was a pretty big surprise because this was somebody prior to last year who has kind of had a up-and-down career up to that point. And he's back on a short-term deal. And if he balls out, he could end up getting a very long-term extension. On top of that, some of the younger cornerbacks on this team played really well, such as Trey Norwood. I was really impressed with how he performed. You also have Arthur Millette. Arthur Millette made a couple of big plays. We can't forget about Cam Sutton. It looks as if Cam Sutton is going to be playing slot corner, which I like him at slot corner more than I enjoy seeing him play outside corner because I think that his skill set with his athleticism is better suited for him to play in that slot, especially when you look at the fact that the Steelers love to blitz their corners. Their corners are kind of like a fifth blitzer in a sense. And I think he's really athletic and he fits that role perfectly. Then you also have James Pierre, who is a good backup. I had a I had some high expectations for James Pierre, but last year we kind of saw that he's just a good dev corner. If you have a starter that goes out, he could come in and play for a couple of games. But if you need him to be your long-term starter, and eh, not really the answer there. At safety, you have Terrell Edmonds, who had a really good season, 89 tackles, six pass reflections, and two interceptions. And I'm going to have to make a separate segment about Terrell Edmonds because I think he's one of the most overhated players in the league. I understand he was a first-round pick. He hasn't played up to those expectations, but he definitely has been really good. He's gotten better every single year since he's gotten drafted, which is why I'm excited about what he can do this season because you look at how he's developed, 
over the last couple of years, getting better and better every single year. This year, maybe he could end up having a Pro Bowl caliber season. And Terrell Edmonds, he's not great in coverage, but he has improved that area of his game. But he's really good in run support, which is really what the Steelers are looking for. At that strong safety spot, they're looking for somebody who can come down and be assistance in the run game. And Terrell Edmonds most definitely was that because the dude had 89 tackles. You have Minga Fitzpatrick, one of the best safeties in the game. He led the team in tackles last season with 124. He had seven pass deflections and two interceptions. He's in line for a big contract extension with Pittsburgh. Then... When you look at the edge rusher position, we already know about T.J. Watt, the reigning defensive player of the year. It's about doggone time he was able to beat out Aaron Donald for it. He's coming off a career-high 22-and-a-half sacks, record-setting, five forced fumbles, three fumble recoveries. He's also is coming off his third straight all-pro team. Then you have Alex Highsmith. Not enough people are talking about how good Alex Highsmith was for Pittsburgh last year. And it's easy to overlook his impact because when you have two all-pros that you're playing alongside, such as Cam Hayward and TJ Watt, you're not going to get a lot of recognition. But Alex Highsmith had 74 tackles, 15 TFLs, and 6 sacks. So he could end up being somebody who ends up having eight sacks this year. We also can't forget about Chris Warmly, who was surprisingly good last season. He had seven sacks. And when the Steelers traded for Chris Warmly, I'm going to be honest, I didn't think he was going to last too long on the roster because my mindset was the Ravens are willing to trade you to their arch rival. That says that they don't believe in you that much as a player. Well, I mean, Chris Warmly balled out last year. He's going to be a good rotational piece in pass rushing situations and passing downs. You also have rookie defensive lineman DeMarvin Lill, who the Steelers drafted in the third round of this past year's NFL draft out of Texas A&M. He's mainly going to be used in situations where it's obvious passing downs because he's 6'4", 283 pounds. I don't really know what to make of Lil. He has fast hands and good feet, but his film is a little bit underwhelming when you think about the hype that he had last year. And I don't really know what to think about it. It's a little bit up and down. He's just one of those players that I just have to see what he does in game for me to make my analysis on how I feel about him. But he is there. You also do have Cam Hayward, who my guy Juice Alert had the nerve to disrespect. You know my guy Juice Alert had the nerve to tell me that Cam Hayward shouldn't really be talked about because he's old? I said, dude, are you crazy? You're judging somebody because they're age? Because he was trying to tell me that the Steelers' defense is overrated. I said, dude, we have TJ Watt, Mika Fitzpatrick, Cam Hayward. He replies, he's old. I said, bro. He's been balling with age. He gets better with age. And great players are able to prolong their careers because they're able to play at a very high level into their late 30s. Look at Tom Brady. The dude is pat. The dude's dog gone near 100 years old still playing at a really high level. You look at Chandler Jones. He's playing at a really high level into his 30s. Von Miller, same thing. So when it comes to great players, great players regress at a slower rate than normal players do. And for Cam Hayward, he's coming off his fifth consecutive Pro Bowl appearance. He is on his third All-Pro team last season. And he has 10 sacks. He's one of, if not the second best interior defense alignment that we have in this game. 
So this Steelers defense most definitely should improve. It should go back to what it was previously, being one of the best defenses in the league. This was a team that didn't really have a lot of talent on that end. They also dealt with injuries and injuries caught up to them. And then the offense didn't do them no favors, not being able to sustain drives. So I think Steelers defense is going to end up being a top 10 defense once again. We already know they always are the best team when it comes to getting pressure on the quarterback. But with the addition of Levi Wallace in the secondary, adding in Miles Jack at linebacker and bringing in Brian Flores as the linebackers coach, the coach up Miles Jack and Devin Bush, I think that this may be one of the best defenses that the Steelers have had in recent memory. And that's strong praise considering that the Steelers have had some of the best defenses in the league over the last couple of years. So let me know how you guys are feeling about the Pittsburgh Steelers defense going into the 2022 NFL season. And also make sure that you guys like this video, subscribe to the channel, and I appreciate you guys for listening to this episode of the JT Sports Podcast. We're finally able to get an episode recorded with no mistakes, so I appreciate you guys. Make sure you guys check out the podcast on every single podcasting platform. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts from, the JT Sports Podcast is available. And I will see you guys shortly with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast.